Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. It's going to be a great morning. I'm going to jump right into things today. We're starting in Matthew chapter 11. If you're new to this whole thing or what is this all, Matthew is one of the biographies of the life of Jesus. It's actually the first book that we find in this thing called the New Testament. And Matthew records some really powerful words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 that I want to share with you this morning. Jesus says this, he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, you're watching online or here with us today, the title of today's message is, Don't be a burnout. Now, when I say that, I mean it in the sense of being overwhelmed and exhausted, not in the sense of what other lingo that people use sometimes. Uh, Don't be a burnout. I don't know about you, but I think all of us can probably say we've been in a time before where we felt burned out, overwhelmed, exhausted, like too much is going on, and I don't know if I can handle much more. The first time that I really remember this happening to me was about seven years ago. I was 20 years old. I was running two youth groups. I was working at Red Wing Shoes. I was in school, and I just started dating my wife, Kim. My now wife, Kim. We weren't married when we started dating. But anyways, uh, it wasn't like that. But we, we, were, we were dating, and I was trying to manage all these different things. And my life was just moving at an uncontrollable pace. Like, it just was moving, moving. And, and I was going to these youth groups. I was leading youth groups. I was leading uh, Bible clubs, all these different things. I would not be texting and driving on my way to these things. I'd be reading my Bible and driving of, what am I going to talk about? What, have I heard a good sermon before that I can just steal from another pastor and give right now? Because I don't know what I'm going to say. My wa- life was just moving moving at far too fast of a pace, and I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep doing it. This is too much. I would get up on Mondays. I had these meetings. I had to to run a group that night. Wednesdays, I had to run a group. I had a class on Tuesday nights that began at 10 p.m. because that was the only time that worked for me. It was just going, I was in one of those, have you ever been in one of those seasons before where you're just so exhausted and you're so overwhelmed that you, no matter how much you sleep, you still feel exhausted? You wake up and you think, I need to sleep even more. You're wondering, Did I, maybe I'm sleeping so much that the only thing I like to do is sleep. I just, I just need to keep sleeping and sleeping and just more sleep. It's all I can, because I, I just can't seem to feel like I'm full. I can't seem to feel like I'm ready to go. I never seem to have enough energy. That's where I was. I just, I can't handle all of this. It's far too much. And some of you are saying, doesn't sound like you had that much going on. You should hear my schedule. Good for you. You have higher capacity than me, or you're burned out and you just don't know it right now. So enjoy that when you get there. But anyway, so I I, I remember I, I just had so much going on. And so after 11 months of this schedule, I just said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit everything. I quit everything, except for dating Kim, of course. I couldn't quit her, but you know, she was, but I I quit everything. I quit working at both of the churches. I I quit, I quit Red Wing. I quit uh, some school for a while. And I just like, I I just got to stop. And I remember saying to myself, I hope to never experience anything like this ever again. And I hope that nobody else has to experience anything like this. It's funny, when we started News Story, and I was going around with Neil, and we were recruiting people, talking to people, one of the first conversations I had with Neil, he said to me, he's like, hey, I'm all for this church plant thing, but I don't want to get burned out. 
I'm like, you know, I, you're right, Neil. I don't either. He's like, I've been there before. I don't want to experience it. We would go meet with other couples. Hey, you guys want to be a part of a new story? They would say, we would love to, but we don't want to get burned out. <laughs> we just don't want to get burned out by, we don't want to do that again. And what I've noticed is when I came out of my season of burnout and when a lot of people are coming out of a season of burnout or feeling overwhelmed, it's really easy to look back and say, oh, it was that church's fault or oh, it was my job's fault or oh, it was my family's fault or oh, it was that person's fault. And don't get me wrong, people can contribute to your burnout. And sometimes people continue to ask more and more and more and more of you or from you. And they really have no, like, you have no emotional intelligence. You keep asking more of me. I don't have anything else to give. And sometimes it is other people's fault. But if we always look at our season of burnout of, oh, it was the church. Oh, it was my family. Oh, it was this, oh, it was that. What will happen is, is you'll just go from one season of burnout to another. You have to recognize, I had to recognize, we all have to recognize that when you go through a time of burnout, there are decisions that you can begin to make that will keep you from ever experiencing that again. There are decisions that you can make right now if you're in a time of burnout to get out of that time of burnout. You can either make decisions to get out, you can put up guardrails to keep yourself from ever experiencing that again. And so that's what I wanna to talk to us about today. I wanna to talk to you about three decisions, three important decisions that you can make today that can either help you get out of burnout or help you to avoid burnout. The first decision is this. It's going to blow your mind. This first decision that you can make. Decide to make decisions. If you want to avoid burnout, the first thing that you need to do is to decide to make decisions. I, when I came out of my time of burnout, what I realized is that I had gotten to a spot where I was allowing everybody else to make decisions for me. I wasn't making any decisions for myself. And sometimes what happens is we get so caught up in the busyness of life and all these things going on around us that we wake up one day and realize, I haven't made many decisions for myself recently. I'm just doing what everybody else wants me to do. I'm just getting along. I'm just getting by. I'm just going along with the status quo. But if you want to avoid burnout, you have to be willing to decide to make decisions and stop expecting everyone to make decisions for you. I love this proverb, Proverbs 13, 12. I've shared it before. It's one of my favorite ones. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. For a number of us, there's something at one point in time in life that you hoped for. You were believing in a new reality. You were believing in a new opportunity for life. You were hoping for something different. You maybe even felt that what you hoped for was possibly something that God had placed on your life. You were hoping for something new. But then all of a sudden, before you know it, you wake up one day and what you had once hoped for is not the reality that you're now living in. Hope has been deferred and your heart is now growing sick. There was a desire that God had placed on your life. I'm just going to pursue that. I'm going to go after that. But then you know what happened? Ah, you know what? I needed to make more money. So I didn't say yes to that. I, 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 you know, people might've thought that I was a little bit weird for choosing to do that. So you know what? I decided to stay back. You know, I, I, I could have spoke up and said something here in the workplace, but I didn't want to get in trouble. So I didn't say anything. So now I'm doing something all the time that I just absolutely hate. Hope is being deferred and your heart is starting to grow sick. And that's because you've decided to allow other people, or even when I, you know, you decide to let other people make decisions for you. 
In fact, a lot of this is rooted in something called decision fatigue. Has anybody ever heard of this before? I was doing some reading on decision fatigue. There was a New York Times article written about this a number of years ago. And what they found was, is they, they, they did this study of 1,100 people who were up for parole. And they, if you had your parole hearing in the morning, you were 70% more likely to receive parole. And they started saying, well, why is this? And they started looking at the crimes. The crimes that came up in the afternoon were not more severe. They were looking at, well, why is this? What they found was is the people who were doing the parole hearings later in the day, they were tired of hearing cases. They were tired of debating. They were tired of making decisions. So it was just easier to say, put that one back. I don't want to hear anymore. I've had enough. So if you got your hearing in the morning, they were more willing to listen. They were more willing to discuss. But decision fatigue got the best of them later in the day. So it's like, okay, we've had enough. I wonder how many of us, we have surrendered our capacity and ability to make decisions because of decision fatigue. We spend so much time making meaningless decisions. Should I like this post? Should I share this post? Should I take this post down? What should I write in the caption on this post? And we spend so much time with little decisions that when it comes to the important decisions, we, allow, we outsource those decisions to someone else or we don't make the best decision because I don't wanna make any more decisions. I just wanna turn on the TV. And then you get to the TV and you can't even choose what to watch on Netflix because now you have decision fatigue of should I watch what's on Netflix? Should I watch what's on Hulu? Should I watch what's on Disney Plus? There's a million options here. There's this new show here. There's a new show. I don't know what to watch. And then I did really want to watch this, but then when I saw these options, now I don't really think I want to watch anything anymore. I don't know what to do. Decision fatigue. It's a real thing. So some of us, what do we need to do? We need to put our phones down. And we need to give, what is the time of day that your mind is working the best and say, I am going to spend that time making the most critical decisions, whether it's for my family or for the workplace or for myself. Don't allow decision fatigue to keep you from making decisions. We have to decide to make decisions. Some of us, we wake up, everything's a mess. Everything's a mess. The house is a mess. The car's a mess. Everything's a mess. And you get to work. I don't want to make any decisions anymore because I'm thinking about all the decisions that I have to make at home to clean everything up. And that's just overwhelming to me. Key to, we have to run from decision fatigue, make critical decisions, make decisions, decide to do something. We as humans are created and wired to initiate and to, and to do things, to be productive. I was reading a book a number of years ago called Originals by a guy named Adam Grant. And in this book, Adam Grant so it started with a study conducted by a gentleman by the name of Michael Hausman. And Michael Hausman was trying to find out why do some people stay working in call centers longer than others? So he chose this one particular call center and he found that the people who had Firefox or Chrome as their default browser instead of Internet Explorer or Safari, they actually stayed in their job 15% longer. They were 19% less likely to, to miss work. And in 90 days, they had customer satisfaction rates that it took those who used Internet Explorer and Safari 120 days to reach. So Houseman's like, why is this? Why, why, why do people who use Firefox and Chrome, why are they staying longer? Why do they miss work less? Why do, why do they have better status? What is going on here? He's like, maybe they're more tech savvy. Maybe, I, he didn't know. He couldn't, and then he realized the people who had Firefox and Chrome, they took initiative to download those as browsers onto their device. So because if you have a MacBook, your default browser is Safari. If you have a if you decide to get something that's not a MacBook, whatever. But anyways, the, the, the default browser is typically Internet Explorer. And they found that those people, they were not as productive 
They missed work more often. They didn't have as high of customer satisfaction rates. And the people with Chrome and Firefox, they said, I can take initiative. I can do something. I can make a difference. He found that they were less scripted on their phone calls. They felt a little bit more freedom in the workplace and they enjoyed work more. Why? Because we as humans, we are designed to initiate. We talked about this in our human series in Genesis chapter one. God designed humans with the capacity to create, to cultivate creation, to be at work and constantly working and doing. We aren't meant to be suppressed into a system or to a situation where we don't make any decisions. Many of us, you, you, you've, been, you've been suppressed by life in general and everyone's been making decisions for you. You are not deciding to do something. You're weighed down by decision fatigue and you're wondering why your heart is growing sick. Some of you, some of you need to quit your job. I know that sounds a little crazy. Hear me out on this. For all of you parents right now who are sitting there with a college student or a high school student and they, you're like, did they hear him say that? They should not, he should, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him right now. Just listen to me for a moment. Some of you need to quit your job because you're saying, oh, you know, I, I, I know I hate my job. I, I know I'm horrible, but you know, but I, know, I know I hate this place, but you know what? I'm here to be a witness at work. You're not being a witness anymore. You're just like everybody else because you're so miserable while you're there. No, there's no life in that job for you. Some of you, there's, there's a hope and a passion and a desire that has been placed within you. And you at one point in time were pursuing it. You were going after it. But then all of a sudden, what will people think? What if I don't make money? What if it doesn't work out the way I thought it would? Oh, that's going to take a lot of work. And now you're stuck in a situation where hope has been deferred. Your heart is growing sick because you actually aren't doing what you were wired and designed and created to do. You see, some people, I think the reason they don't pursue their passion is because they're more worried about success than they are about failure. Because to pursue success takes work. It takes time. I know a lot of people are, oh, I'm pursuing my passion. No, you're not. You're mooching off your spouse or mooching off your parents and you're sleeping in way too often and you need to stop. <laughs> to pursue your passion truly takes work. Passion without, in, without work leads to entitlement. Passion without work leads to entitlement. Well, I deserve this. I, no, no. Like if it doesn't cost you something, then what is it truly worth? And there is a passion, there's a hope desired to be fulfilled that God has placed within your life. And you need to stop doing what you're doing and pursue that. But to pursue that, you may have to go back to school. You may have to listen to some podcasts. You may have to read some books. You may have to network with some people. You might have to do some fundraising. There might be some work that goes along with it, but it's a passion that has been placed within you by God. And it's time to stop suppressing who he's called you to be. Decide to do something. Step into the divine desire that he has in store for you and put in the work that he's called you to do so that you don't only have hope within you, but you can bring hope to others as he's called you to do. Decide to do something. Do something, do something, do something. That's the first one. Decide to make decisions. Do something. Second one, decide to say no. Decide to say no. This is not easy. This is difficult for a lot of us. I have a hard time saying no. We like, it's just easy to say yes. How often do you say yes? And later on, you're like, I can't believe I said yes to that. Or how, how many of us, we, we like the delayed no's, you know, the, the no of, I know I'll get back to you, which is really, I wish I could say no right now. I'm hoping that they forget that they asked me because I don't know if I have the courage to say no to them, but I'm just hoping that by saying, get back to me later, that they'll, that they'll just completely forget about it. Then I'll never have to go through the pain and struggle of saying no. 
We have to decide to say no. Because when you are saying, I can do it, I have this, I'm all good, I'm strong enough, I got it all together, that's just a quick road to burnout. In the passage where I started, Matthew eleven twenty eight, it's funny what Jesus says before that in a Matthew eleven a Matthew eleven twenty five. Look at this. At that time, Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and have revealed them to infants." What is Jesus saying? Jesus is not saying that his movement of people was filled with a bunch of babies crawling around. That's not what this is about. He's not saying, oh, you know, you revealed the kingdom of God to babies and look at what I'm going to start this movement with, with a bunch of babies. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking more so about a mindset or a perspective and a humility. The Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' time, they had this perspective of, I'm strong enough. I got it all figured out. Come to me for the answers. I'm good on my own. They had, a, they had a perspective of, I have it all figured it out. I can carry it myself. We are called to, like an infant is in need of their parents. We, spiritually speaking, should be reliant upon Christ. And when you know him, he will actually give you the wisdom of what to say no to. And I know that there are many different reasons for why some of us struggle to say no. But I want to talk about one specific reason because it's something that we can do we can do something about this today. One of the main reasons, and it's not the only reason, but one of the main reasons that we have a difficulty saying no is because of pride. We want to have the perception of I got it all together. I can do it. And some of you say, well, no, 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 no. It's not pride. It's not pride. I'm just really worried about what people think about me. What is that? <laughs> I'm worried about what people think about me. I, it's pride. I, I don't want to say no because what if they, what if they think less? That's, I, I got to, you know, people. I, I know for me, that's, that's the issue. Like, I, I don't want people to think that I can't handle it. It's a, it's, it's a religious perspective. It's a self-reliance instead of a reliance upon Jesus. It's being more like a Pharisee and less like an infant who's relying upon Christ. I'm strong enough. I got it all together. I can take it. You know what's really, really complex and difficult about that? Is that when you're the person who everybody is always coming to, I'm strong enough. I can handle it. I can take care of it. That morning when you wake up and you realize you're exhausted and drained, you have no idea who you can turn to because you've never shown that side of yourself to anyone before. How could I possibly tell someone that I'm weak right now? How could I possibly tell someone that I'm hurting right now? How could I possibly tell someone that I've taken on too much and I don't know what to do because I've always been the person who has it all put together? We have to decide to say no so that we can not only see our reliance upon Jesus, but we can also learn our reliance on one another that we've been given each other as a gift to help one another. We have to decide to say no. It's okay to say no. You know what's great about it if you say no? My math's gonna be completely off here, so please don't try to do math in your head, but I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here as, as an example. When, when you decide to say no to people, when you decide to say no to certain things and situations, here's what happens. Four or five people, they will get 100% of you instead of like 15 people getting 40% of you. Yeah, you can show up for all of those tasks. You can show up for all those things and do them, but what's your attitude like when you get there? Have you had time to refresh and be who Christ has called you to be in that space? 
decide to say no. Here, you know what I'm thankful for this morning? I am thankful for the fact that the Apostle Paul, the, the, the guy who wrote almost half of the New Testament, who's probably the most influential Christ follower in all of history, he wrote in one of his latest letters, late on in life, he said, you know what? When I am weak, he is strong. I am thankful for that. I am thankful to know that it is, it is in our weakness that we can rely on his strength. It is in our weakness that we can call out to him. It is in our weakness that he doesn't push us away, but he draws us close. And he says that he will fill us and give us everything we need to do what we need to do. It is his grace that is sufficient. You don't have to have it all figured out. We can rely on him. Then lastly, decide to know Jesus. Decide to know Jesus. So we're going to decide to make decisions. We're going to decide to say no. And if you really want to avoid burnout, decide to know Jesus. Decide to know him. Jesus gave his life so that you could have life. He sacrificed his life so that you could experience the abundant and full life that he has for you, the resurrected life, the victorious life in him. And he wants to know you. But here's what happens. When you get burned out, when you're exhausted, you either start to allow others to make decisions for you or you don't make the best decisions. I'll prove it to you. How many of you know that when you're exhausted and you're behind the wheel of the car, you've done some things before that you've said, I'm glad nobody saw that. Anybody? Anybody? Or, okay, there were some honest people here today. I, I, definitely. I'm glad nobody witnessed that. When you're exhausted, your guard is down. People make decisions for you or you don't make the best decisions. And so what happens? You start making bad decisions. Then you start to feel all of this shame. You start to feel all of this guilt. You start to feel all of this, all of this regret. You start to feel maybe a little bit of disgrace of, oh, I just feel. And, and, and you start to feel like there's this distance between you and God. And you think, where could I possibly go for help? Because where I'm at right now, God would never want anything to do with somebody like me. Because I was exhausted, burned out, made bad decisions, and now I have shame and guilt. I'm weary and I'm burdened. Look at what Jesus says where we started, Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He doesn't say, get your rest, get everything together, then come to me. He doesn't say, oh, go put on, you know, your best clothes, look really good, look really religious, and then come to me. Doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, then I'll fix you, then I'll give you rest. He doesn't say that. He says, come to me, all who are weary and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what decisions you make. It doesn't matter what anyone's done to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you are in life. If you come to Jesus and turn to Jesus, there's a guarantee. He will give you rest. And you don't have to say, oh, I got, I got to get all this stuff together first. Then I can go to Jesus. Nope. Call on his name. He's there. He will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come to me. Come to me, and you will find rest for your souls. Whatever you think is keeping you from him, 
All you have to do is call out to him and he will give you the rest and the refreshment that you need. Will it sometimes be a painful process of, ah, yeah, I didn't realize I did that or that, and we have some self-reflection? Most definitely. But within him, that's where we find rest. This might take my yoke upon you. Now, what does Jesus mean by yoke? Is he talking about getting yoked? Is he talking about egg yoke? What's he talking about here? Well, uh, the, the, in his time period, the yoke of oxen, was like these wood boards that you would put on ox's neck and they would hold them together and then they would you know, carry a heavy load. It's all this agricultural farm stuff that I really don't know anything about, so I'm not going to pretend to, but that's the best that I can explain it for now. And the Pharisees of this time period, they took this, this metaphor for the, uh, the ox, yoke of oxen that would carry a heavy load and they used it, the Jewish people of this time period, they used it as a metaphor for the law, for the Torah, because to carry the old the old it felt like a weight. It felt like a burden to carry. Uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright describes it this way. He said, the Pharisees had spoken of people being called to carry the yoke of the Torah, the heavy burden of the Jewish law with all its commandments. There are over 600 commandments or a lot of them. He said, Jesus offered a different yoke, which because it came from his mercy and love was easy to bear. How could following Jesus really be that easy? Didn't he say himself that people had to be prepared to leave behind family, possessions, and even their own life? Yes, he did. But the ease and the joy, the rest and refreshment which he offered all spring forth from his own inner character, his gentleness and warmth to all who turn to him, weighed down by burdens, moral, physical, emotional, financial, or whatever it is. Look, the ease and the joy, the rest and refreshment which he offered all spring forth from his own inner character. You see, sometimes I think when we find ourselves in a dark place, we think I could never go to God because it would be this great religious barrier and the affiliation to following God I know I even had this perspective growing up for such a long period of time that, that following God meant I had, to, I had to take care of stuff. I had to look good on the outside. I had to take, it was all of this, I, I had to do this. And, and you know what? I already have enough going on right now. I'm carrying so much that to go to God and then have to try to carry even more, I just can't do that. I don't want to do that. I have no interest in that. I, I, I just can't, I'm so exhausted over here, I can't turn to him and try to carry more. And that's, that's the lie of religion, that you, when you turn to God, you just have to carry more. You have to take on more. But there's a yoke that is found within Jesus. It is easy. It is light. And instead of you trying to carry on more, he is now carrying you. And he will give refreshment and rest to your soul. Instead of, and so, so when you're in this spot of, I just can't turn to him. Actually, if you call on him, he will pursue you. He will bring rest and restoration to you. And he doesn't, he doesn't hide from you. And he's, not, and he's not saying, hey, now take all this stuff on. Because somebody may have told you at one point in time, hey, yeah, you, you know, someone like you, you know, you really can't be affiliated with God. I've had so many people say things like that to me before of like, you know what? God wouldn't want anything to do with someone like me. I think I find that so interesting because when I look at the people that Jesus hung out with, some pretty wild people. And the New Testament authors, they're pretty good guys. So they didn't include like swear words or anything, but it did say that Peter swore a couple times. And it said, you know, these guys are pretty crazy dudes, drinking and crazy people. People thought Jesus was a drunkard because of the people that he hung out with. I don't know if you've read that part before, but that's what people thought of him because of the people that he hung out with. And so Jesus was like, hey, you know, uh, I don't care where you've been or what you've went through and what burden you think you're carrying, 
come to me and I will give you rest. And what was normally associated with, I got to carry this big religious barrier. No, he's actually now going to carry you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And he wants to give you rest. It's about knowing him, to know Jesus. So some of you here today, you have to make that decision. Say, I'm going to know Jesus. I want to give my life to him because he has a new life in store for you. Some of you, it's about reigniting your faith and finding what it means to truly know him. Sometimes we get caught up in the idolatry of place or the idolatry of a day. And it's this idea of, I just got to get to the right place and then I'll find Jesus. If I could just go to church on a Sunday morning, then maybe I'll find rest. And maybe you will find rest here. If you do, we would love that. We would be thrilled by that. But we're saying, uh, you know what? If I could just get to that, that spot where I can just you know, sit on my couch, then I will find rest. Or if I could just get to that group, then I will find rest. If I could just get to this place, then I will find rest. But you've went to that place or to that group or to that thing, and you're like, I still don't feel what I, what I want to be feeling or I should be feeling. Or some of us, we, we look at a day. If I could just get to that day, if I could just have my Sabbath, if I could just have a day, then maybe I could rest. And maybe you could. Maybe that would work for you. But there's something more powerful occurring here. There's something even more beautiful that Jesus wants all of us to see. That rest is not a place. Rest is a person. His name is Jesus. Rest is not a day. Rest is a person. You can clap. His name is Jesus. We don't have to wait. Oh, once I get to this place, then I can maybe find rest. Maybe once I get to this day of the week, then I can find rest. No, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 that he is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our refreshment. He is everything. for. He's all of the fulfillment that you could ever possibly want or need. And he is our source of rest. He is our source of being refreshed and experiencing and finding new life. So some of us, if you're here and you're feeling burned out, or you've been burned out before and you want to avoid that, if you never want to feel that feeling again of I'm exhausted, I'm tired, what are we going to do? You're going to decide to make decisions. Speak up for yourself. Do something. Become an individual who takes initiative because there's a hope that God has placed within your life to bring hope to others. If you're pursuing your passion is just about you, that's not from God. But if it's, but if it's, if it's about there's something he's given me to do that would be for the betterment of others, that's a passion he's given you and it's a desire that can be fulfilled. Don't allow hope to be deferred any longer because that will just continue to make your heart sick. Decide to make decisions. Decide to say no. It's okay to say no. And like an infant, rely on Christ instead of always trying to have it look like everything is put together. And then lastly, decide to know Jesus. Jesus says eternal life is that they know me. Jesus desires to know you personally. And within him, wherever you find yourself, oh, I did this, I did that. You go through the list of everything you've done. We could all go through the list of everything that we've ever done before. But all you have to do is call on his name. He is there for you and he will give you rest. Rest is not a place. Rest is a person. His name is Jesus. And all we have to do is call upon his name and he will begin the restoration process within our